Career Day Live is a Stop Clowning Around production. You can learn how Stop Clowning Around helps people succeed in life and career by mastering the art of connection and relationships by visiting stopclowningaround.com or facebook.com forward slash stopclowningaround. It's everyone's American dream. Buy a home. But how can I get the money to actually buy one? If I had to save till I could afford it, there's no way I would ever get a home until I'm basically retired. And that's why we get mortgages. How do we find the best mortgages? Well, we utilize mortgage loan officers. And our guest today, Jeff Coffrin, tells us exactly what it's like to help others and have a career as a mortgage loan officer. Jeff, I want to thank you for joining Career Day Live today and sharing a little bit about your story. I'm excited for our guest to hear because everyone dreams of owning a home one day, and I know I'm stealing a little bit of your thunder, but you're one of the guys that can help. So let's start, share your title, and tell us how you got into this role. Okay. Well, sure. My name is Jeff Coffrin. And I am a senior loan consultant, so I do residential mortgage loans. And that really means, you know, anything from four units or less is anything greater that would be considered a commercial property. How I got into the, into the profession is really by accident. I spent um, about a year and a half with Northwestern Mutual Life selling disability and life insurance policies. And there was a guy in my training class named Pat. Pat lasted only a short while, got out of the business. He and I remained friends about a year and a half into the business. He said, what's going on, Jeff? You just don't seem the same. I'm like, man, this business is killing me. And he says, well, you know, I, I got into the mortgage business after I left the insurance business. I'd like to make an introduction, have you sit down with my manager interview and see if maybe, you know, mortgage banking wouldn't be a good fit for you. So that's how it all started. So I started in the intro, Jeff, talking about the fact that when we need to get a mortgage for that dream home or that first home we're trying to buy, you're the guy that helps. Can you kind of walk me through the process, what you do to help home buyers? Sure. So I think one of the key skills is just, you know, good listening skills. So if you were getting ready to buy a home, typically you're working with a realtor and that realtor would either introduce you to myself or myself and a couple other mortgage lenders. Because again, that realtor wants to make sure that you're qualified before they start to invest a lot of time in your home buying search. So what I would do is sit down and ask you several questions, you know, some of the basics, name, address, social security number, birthday, things like that. But then really dig deeper as far as what do you do for work? You know, what type of income do you have? Is that commission based? Is that salary? Is that salary plus bonus, salary plus commission, overtime, et cetera? And one of the terms, you know, a buddy of mine uses is, you know, you're really financially naked 
in the sense that we ask a lot of personal questions, not because we want to pry, but if we're going to do a good job for you and make sure you're qualified to purchase a home, there's several questions we're going to ask to make sure you're pre-qualified so then you and your realtor can shop with confidence that you're going to qualify for whatever price range you may be looking for. And then we're also going to pull your credit report with your permission because that tells the whole story. Everything we do in our business is risk-based. So somebody that's got a higher credit score than somebody else, uh, we want to put you in the right loan program that's going to satisfy your objectives. Jeff, there are some that have this mental perception of the mortgage industry of some of the officers being more like loan sharks, for lack of a better word. Uh, in it more for, I want to get this person a loan. I don't really care if they're qualified for it. I just need to get the loan so I can get my paycheck. And we'll talk about um, incentives and all that here a little later in the episode. But I want to step back a little bit from a integrity standpoint, because I know you're a man of integrity, and I know many uh, mortgage associates who are people of integrity. Is there an obligation, though, to ensure that that loan that you're going to provide or help them get definitely falls within their ability to pay it and, and be able to handle that over the long term? Yes. Yeah, so unfortunately, the individual you described in the beginning, unfortunately, they most definitely did exist, especially years ago, you know, during that mortgage crisis or meltdown that we experienced. Um, I'd like to think most of those individuals are now out of the business because if you run your business that way, it's typically short term. You won't make it long term. My business is all referral based. And my sense is even, you know, my tagline and some networking is, you know, my, my prime interest is my client's best interest. And if you always have your client's best interests at heart, you know, whether it's mortgages or whatever the sales profession may be, you'll have long-term success in your industry. So we are highly regulated, and there is something called the ability to repay. But at the end of the day, if you've got the wrong loan officer, they may not always have your best interests at heart. It may simply be their interest, which, you know, is, is a commission. Just to expand upon that a little bit further, you know, rates are down currently. And I always tell the client, it always makes sense for me to you, you know, makes sense to me that you refinance. But let's figure out if it makes sense for you to refinance, meaning the cost relative to the savings. Does that make sense? And I think that's a breath of fresh air for the person on the other line, because based on what happened years ago in our industry, that was not always the case. Jeff, I know you to have a pretty longstanding career doing this. Uh, at what point would you say integrity and the ability to manage a long-term relationship really equals long-term success? You mean where in your career? I guess what I'm trying to get to is to have a long career in this, it sounds to me that one needs to really value relationship, value doing the right thing for people for longevity in this type of role. 
Absolutely. And I believe that starts day one in any profession. As soon as you start out, have that serving mentality for those, you know, as far as your clients. And really day one, I believe it starts if you want to have a long lasting career in, in any profession. I don't disagree at all. Well, Jeff, tell us a little bit about what a day looks like or a week. You can break it down how you want, but you wake up, you go to work. What does your day look like? And so Mondays, Tuesdays, typically, you know, a little more hectic than later in the week. And the reason that being is if you build your business around purchases versus refinances, which again is important because people are always going to buy homes regardless of the interest rate versus refinances, depending on where their rate is now and where they're at currently in the market, there has to be, you know, some incentive, some financial benefit, net benefit is what we call it to the client. So again, I would say focus on building those relationships that will allow you to succeed in the purchase market because it doesn't matter if rates are three, four, six, eight, or 10, people are always going to buy homes. The reason why Mondays, Tuesdays are typically busier is because many people will actually go out and shop for a home over the weekend because typically that's when their, their free time is on a Saturday or Sunday. It seems especially on, you know, good weather days on Saturday or Sunday when that sunshine is when you seem to have more contracts come in, you know, after a nice weekend, at least in our market here in the St. Louis market. So, I would also recommend that, you know, as you build your career, you learn to be a good delegator because really what I want to focus on is what I'll call revenue producing activities, meaning on the phone or out in the market, meeting with other realtors, you know, financial planners, maybe family law type attorneys, which would be estate planning attorneys or maybe even, you know, divorce attorneys for various reasons. But a typical day would be on the phone, uh, taking what we call 1003s, which is an application. And that's where we gather all the information to determine whether or not someone would be pre-qualified to purchase a home. And then there's some data input, uh, looking at the credit report. And then the part I really enjoy is the problem solving. Because your file, my file, my brother's file, whoever's file you're working on, every one of them are different. Some of them are simple, you know, cookie cutter deals. Some of them are more complex. You may have a business owner. You may have somebody that owns several rental properties. And you just need to sit down and figure out a solution after you've done a good job listening to that client. And then another part of it is getting the documents out to the client. Um, Go ahead and set the proper expectation as far as what they can expect over the next, call it four to six weeks, depending on when their closing date may be. And then just giving them periodic updates as far as we where we stand in the status of that loan. Because as a consumer, of course, the most difficult part sometimes is wondering, you know, is Jeff working on my loan? Is it just sitting on some stack? Am I going to meet my deadline, et cetera? So, Constant communication with that, with that client. So really just trying to generate more business, keeping in touch with your referral partners and then servicing those clients that are currently in your pipeline. 
It's interesting as you speak. It really does seem like every bit of this is about taking care of a human being and that relationship aspect. And what I really drew out of what you said was your enjoyment of problem solving for them, but also your continual follow-up because this is a big deal for most people. That's a lot of money that they are getting ready to fork out for. Again, it's it's their dream. It's what they've been living for. It's what one of their major goals in life. And I would assume that you're really responsible for bringing a level of comfort to them through this process. Would you agree? Absolutely. Because clients tell me all the time, oh, I'm so stressed out. I'm like, don't stress out. I'll go ahead and handle the stressing out part. I always tell them, though, right from the get-go, just shoot me straight exactly what's going on. Because if you tell me what's going on, I can typically structure it in such a way that we can, you know, play the guideline and also bring this across the finish line, meaning, you know, end goal to put them and or their family in that new home that they, you know, want or need um, versus tell me part of the story. And then we uncover something because I kind of kid my clients at the end of the day, I'll probably know more about you than you know about yourself. Because way back in the day, prior to the meltdown, it was way too loose. And now today, it's over the top. Some of the information we request just because of what happened years ago in the um, in the meltdown. Jeff, I think most people, especially the younger generations, they talk about the millennials and now the Gen Zers coming up behind them. It, one of the things they're looking for in career is meaning. They want a little bit of significance. They want to feel like they're making a difference. Do you feel that significance, that that level of, wow, I just made a difference in their life every time a loan does finally close and they get the keys to that home? Absolutely. I'll use an example. And this wasn't, you know, a first-time homebuyer. It's someone that I've done business with before. And actually, I've done loans for her daughter and son-in-law, at least on two or three different occasions. She used to be a realtor many years ago, so she knows what goes into the process and, you know, successfully closing the deal. Uh, she thought she was going to pay cash, all cash for this deal, and then she determined, well, I don't know that I want to go ahead and deplete my investment account by that much. Can you help? So we pulled it together quickly and actually... We sent her an automated email last evening, congratulations, your loan funded, just did this yesterday. And it was nice. And again, this isn't, you know, a pat myself on the back, but she said, thank you so much, Jeff. You're truly amazing, exclamation point. So that's why I do what I do. It can definitely be stressful. Uh, sometimes more, you know, clients or files are difficult than others. But um, I have a can-do attitude. You know, I'm not a sore loser, but I don't like to lose. And sometimes I make it personal and do whatever I need to do, again, within guidelines to figure out a solution and bring this across the finish line. So I would say 99% of the clients are, are very appreciative. And you'll know the difference when you work with two types, you know, the professional versus somebody who's transactional or an order taker. So the professional truly cares about that client and you talk to them on a regular basis, 
during that 30 or 45 days. You know, I've got clients that I've talked to for two years before they found the right house. So absolutely, it can be very rewarding um, to help that client. I love the rewarding parts of jobs, and I love all the great things about jobs, but I try to be very transparent for the listening audience here. And you mentioned in that conversation just a moment ago, you threw out a word, difficult, and some things do get difficult. There's got to be a few things about your job that, for you, are not the things you look forward to most or or things you don't look forward to. So what are some items that you just kind of dread doing but you have to do? Okay. So nobody likes to deliver bad news, right? So I like to think I do a very good job, thorough job, as far as my due diligence. And what I mean by that is take a very, uh, again, thorough, uh, comprehensive application as far as asking all the right questions. But still, we do deal with underwriting. And I'm not an underwriter, so I can't know every single guideline, every single program. I'm fortunate because I've been doing it 20 plus years that I usually know those things that could come back to haunt me, meaning not get the loan Mm -hmm. approved. So at least have enough sense to go ahead and ask those questions beforehand. But the part I don't like is when there's, you know, something in the guideline, you know, when we get ready to sell that secondary market or the income isn't exactly what the client told me their income was right out of the gate. So I don't like to deliver bad news, but typically if I need to deliver bad news, I will, you know, have, I would say almost 99% of the time, a solution to overcome the challenge we're currently up against. So obviously bad news is something I don't look forward to. Uh, something that's going to come up because you do enough loans. There's, going to be a few that, you know, you run up against some challenges. The other item is, you know, last minute. Um, We're under deadlines. There's two critical dates in a mortgage loan. There's a loan commitment and there's a closing date. Of course, the closing date's the most important to the client, but the loan commitments are most important to me as a loan officer because that means everything has to be approved, the appraisal, the income, the assets qualifying ratios, what they call the debt income, that file has to be fully underwritten and we have to deliver to our realtor partner a loan commitment letter stating that loan's been approved. So many times, for whatever reason, it can it can come down, you know, to the wire and it's stressful because I've got a client on the other end depending on me and I know how much it means to them to get in the home that they wish to purchase again for themselves and or their their family. So it's the stress of the deadlines is um, is the difficult part of the business because there's many, many moving parts and we try to shield that client from most of it because I think if they really saw what went, behind, went on behind the scenes, you know, they may think I'm never going to get in, you know, I'm never going to go through this process to begin with. So we, we do our best to shield our clients from most and only get them involved as far as those challenges that we need their assistance to to overcome. Well, excellent. I appreciate you sharing that. And again, I think that's the one thing 
most of us as individuals, we hear all the good stuff or all the bad stuff. It's usually vice versa. You know, you get one or the other when someone's talking about something and you don't see both sides of the coin. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. I want to move to um, the way you earn income. Now, I'm under the impression that most individuals in your type of role are commissioned individuals, meaning you earn your income by the transaction. So can you explain how most in your uh, world are actually paid? Yep. So we are, or at least myself, ever since day one, have been 100% commissioned. So the way we're paid now is different from the way we were paid when I first got into the business. It was always commission-based. But now, in order some of the additional guidelines, I should say regulations that are out there in the industry as a result of what happened prior to that meltdown, actually based on loan volume. And what I mean by loan volume, if you're buying a $200,000 home, maybe you put down, I'll say, 10%, 10% of 200, of course, is 20. So that loan amounts 180. So that would be $180,000 of loan volume to me. It could be a million-dollar purchase. Let's say you're, build, you're, you're building a new home and it's a million-dollar home purchase, but you only need a loan for whatever reason of $180,000. I'm not paid on the million. I'm paid on the one eighty, mm-hmm. which it's a whole other discussion as far as how a realtor is paid. Their focus is the purchase price. My focus is the loan amount. So I'm paid, I'm, I'm paid based on the loan volume, meaning that loan size we close on ultimately. Now, some people get scared when they hear commission only because it doesn't feel safe. What if I fail? What if I mess up? What if I can't make it? Do you have any feedback for these type of individuals? Uh, I'm, I have my own thoughts and opinions, but I would like to hear from you. Why should someone not be scared of commission only? I mean, commission only, I I do believe it takes a certain type of individual, but I would much rather control my income earning ability versus being, you know, stuck in an office from eight to five. And let's say, you know, a new college graduate Let's say they start at $20 an hour. So typically $20 an hour translates to about $40,000, $41,000 per year. And you have to clock in, clock out, and you can only make forty. So whether you're a superstar or you're just your average, you know, I'll call it Joe, you're going to make forty grand. So I think those that have confidence, and themselves, and I don't mean arrogant or cocky, but, and you're not going to, you know, just start in this profession making a hundred grand or 152, you know, 150 or 300 grand, whatever the case may be. You most likely will start somewhere in that 40 to $60,000 range. And maybe you want to start at a, you know, a safer spot, maybe a bank or a call center where you get leads and you can make you know, not necessarily a base, but at least you know you're guaranteed to have some opportunities. 
I wouldn't be afraid of the commission, especially early in your career, because that's typically when you have the least amount of expenses. Maybe you still live at home with your parents. Uh, granted, a lot of people come out with some student loan debt, but you're in a position to take that risk as a commission-based person early in your career, because most likely you haven't started a family. You don't have others depending on you. And if you find you like it, the upward mobility, you know, as far as income is likely six figures. And when I say six figures, it could be a hundred grand. It could be 300 grand, depending on the market, you know, especially out West where the home prices are more expensive. You might be making a million dollars per year. So if you have confidence in yourself and you want to make more than what somebody tells you, you can make, meaning an hourly position, um, a commission type role can can be fantastic. So really what I hear is the with with risk comes reward or with great reward comes risk, however you want to look at that. But the ceiling is removed. You can earn as much as you want to earn or as much as you want to work for and as many relationships as you can develop. Nobody's putting a cap on you and saying, Oops, that's as much as you can make, correct? That is correct. And then the beauty of that is, right, is you're always employable. I mean, I could quit my current position. And again, this isn't meant to be arrogant or conceited, but I could start at three different places on Monday if I wanted to, because you generate revenue. I'm on the revenue side of that balance sheet, not the liability or the expense side. So while it takes an hourly employee, right, to build a successful company, from the company's perspective, that's still an expense. Whereas if you're out, you know, generating revenue for that company, any company is willing to hire you if you can generate revenue for them. So there's job security as well. There's two points you just brought up there, Jeff, and I'm going to go ahead and mention it. And the first one is uh, revenue generation. If you talk to any senior level executive out there, they will tell you that job security is in revenue generation. If your job does not directly tie to some sort of production for a company and they do need to make cuts, you are just a line on a spreadsheet and they are going to cut you. And I've been told that by many executives and that is a fact. Number two, I think the reason you could have three jobs on Monday is not just because of revenue generation, but because of the relationships you've developed within your industry over the years. So there's a great power of networking, which we don't have to discuss in great detail right now, Jeff. I do a lot of that within the other Stop Clowning Around Education uh, components, but your networking within your industry and your peers is probably a big factor to your job security as well, correct? That's absolutely correct. It's, it's funny, my son, who's late 20s, started a job in supply chain management, and he's like, yeah, there's one guy in our office who doesn't do anything. He just sits at his desk, sits at his desk and answers the phone all day and makes tons of money. And I said, Corey, how long has this guy been doing what he does? Oh, I don't know. He's probably been doing it 15, 20 years. Michael, he doesn't just sit at his desk and pick up the phone. He's been, you know, working it for the last 15 to 20 years, and he's got tons of relationships. And as a result of those relationships, 
That's why that phone's ringing off the hook. Oh, yeah, I know that. <laughs> anyway, so my young son thinks he just walks in one day and his phone starts ringing off the hook. And you and I both know that's not the case. So, you, yeah, you're exactly, exactly dead on that it's the relationships that have been built and then also the reputation I have within the industry because I guess like any industry, it's, it's, you know, it's a small space. Everybody knows everybody in the mortgage industry. And if you do a good job, you, you run into those individuals. So that's another reason is that the reputation within the, the mortgage space is what would allow me to have three different jobs on Monday if I wanted to. And that's one of the things I've uh, recognized this past year, especially as I've got to know you and actually some of your peers. A lot of you know each other very well, but do not work for the same organization. So at some level, you're actually competitors, but you guys work together at the same time. It's the weirdest thing from an outsider to look at. But I really think that's true in any industry. And I think there's a level of us that want to look at our uh, competitors as competitors, and, and, and we don't really network with them. We don't build that relationship with them. We kind of keep them at arm's length because we don't want them to find out what we're doing. But over the long term, I personally have found that those relationships with my competitors have actually turned into be some of the greatest valuable assets I have in my portfolio uh, over the long term of my career. Could not agree more. I think when we treat our competitors, I know this is kind of strong, but I'll say enemy, or I don't want to give up my share of the pie. I think those are small thoughts that maybe early on in our careers is the way we think because, you know, we're hungry, we're fighting, we're 100% commission, we need to make sure we can take care of ourselves and our families. But as we mature in our careers, we realize that our competitors can, I mean, our competitors can be a, a source of business. Uh, one of my very best friends uh, is a competitor. He's with a, another bank here in town. There's some deals he can do that I can't do and vice versa. So it's nice if you call and I can't get it done, I say, hey, Scott, I'm going to go ahead and introduce you to a friend of mine who specializes in that type of loan. I know he'll take care of you. He's helped my brother before. So I'm going to introduce you to him. So that's beneficial to you, which in turn is beneficial to me, because you're going to tell your friends, hey, Jeff took care of me, even though he couldn't help. He put me in touch with another professional that was a better fit. And then that same individual has sent me business because there's certain types of deals that aren't his, you know, wheelhouse, his sweet spot. So we share and we come across as a true professional because we can service the needs of our client, even when we ourselves are not the one that ultimately, you know, serve that need. Excellent feedback, Jeff, and uh, I appreciate it. We have covered some aspects in this episode that are just really great life lessons and not just tied to your position, your role, and your industry, and I appreciate the conversation. I am looking at the clock, and this happens to me every single time. I realize, oh, great, we're running out of time. We do need to wind this down. So last question, 
someone's listening to this episode, they like what they've heard, they're interested in learning more, maybe they have made a decision, I want to pursue a career in the mortgage loan industry, what uh, feedback would you give them? What should they do? Should they get degrees? What type of degrees? Who should they meet? Just kind of lay out what you would recommend to this person looking to make a move into this field. Yeah, so do you necessarily need a degree? No, but I would highly suggest, especially if you like the financial markets, I I have a bachelor's in business administration with an emphasis in finance. I spent many, many years with a local bank here in town. Again, I shared that I was in the insurance business for a short while, and then I've been in the mortgage business for 20 plus years. So I feel as if you understand financial principles, which obviously comes with a finance degree. If you're, you know, a people person, you enjoy people and genuinely wish to serve them. Uh, I think you would be a good fit if you're organized, if you're detail oriented, uh, what some of the other I would say a good delegator and again, a good prospector. You would be extremely successful in this business. And then what I would do is seek out those in your you know, community or even maybe your parents may know somebody in this particular profession and sit down and, you know, have a cup of coffee or grab lunch, whatever they're willing to share with you and find out if what they do on a day to day basis something that you think you would be a good fit. Because while the income is great, I tell my boys the same thing. Just do something that you have a passion for. Do something that you love to do. Because I'm fortunate while every day can be stressful, I don't wake up in the morning and dread doing what I'm doing. I love it, uh, which always makes work much more enjoyable, much more or much easier than waking up in the morning thinking, oh, I got to go to work today. I don't know how I'm going to get through today. So I would sit down with somebody who you know or somebody can introduce you to someone that's successful in this profession and have them share with you. Because typically we like to share what it is we do and see other people, especially young people, be successful as well. And I love that you just said that, that at the core, we like to share, and it's not just your industry. We adults who have spent time in any role or any industry, we like to share that. We like to help others. So I said that was my last question, but this is actually my last question. What if I don't know someone that can introduce me to someone in the mortgage industry, and they just picked up the phone and they called you or one of your peers and said, hey, my name is... And then they go on and say, I have interest in learning more about this. And I know you're super busy, but is there any way I could uh, get a little bit of your time just to learn a little more? What would your response be and what would they need to do in order for you to say, you know what, they're worthy of my 15 minutes or 30 minutes and I am going to help them? Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and hopefully I don't regret this, but um, I'm going to go ahead and give you my cell phone. Because I would be willing to have a discussion with that individual. I would just ask them a couple questions why they think they want to get into profession. Maybe, you know, if they've 
got their degree, what did they get their degree in? If they don't have their degree in, you know, why did they think they would be successful? Because again, at the end of the day, you don't necessarily need your degree to do what I do. So I would just find out why it is they wish to get into this type of profession. Because I would say the average loan officer is, you know, aging and not as many joining the ranks as there are probably retiring in, in the near future. So it could be a very um, rewarding experience. So if they would, you know, want to look further and they don't have a, a friend or a, somebody they can introduce, I'll be happy to talk to them. They can call me on my cell phone. It's 314-609-1483. And Jeff, for you, I will put this out there. Please don't make Jeff your first phone call. Try to find someone in your own market. It'll be more useful for you in the first place because they can help you within the market you're in. But Jeff, I appreciate you putting yourself out there for those who just cannot find that person and would still like to learn more. On top of that, I would like to thank you for taking time to share all about your role within this episode. And I always struggle to end because I'm so appreciative and I don't know how to put it in words. So I will just end with thank you. Absolutely. Glad to do it. This program is only possible with the support of guests that care about helping others find their calling. If you or someone you know would be interested in sharing, please email us at cdl at stopclowningaround.com.